Drawing objects by hand on a piece of paper limits you to producing 2D images. Is this still being done in the age of computers, producing images in 3D? Well, apparently it is. But why? I don't know. But in this episode, 2235, Bill and Sean Johnston, CG Bros, will be explaining when they answer the commonly asked question, how are hand drawing techniques used in CGI? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. If you're a new listener to our podcast, it's great to see you. And if you're a returning listener, a fan of the CG Bros, welcome back. It's great to see you again. In this episode of the CG Insider Podcast, the CG Bros uh, will be answering another intriguing question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com. This question uh, today is by Roger H. from Tempe, Arizona. And Roger asks us, how are hand drawing techniques used in CGI? By the end of today's chat, you'll learn some interesting things about the traditional hand drawing techniques when we cover some brief history of hand drawing techniques. And stay to the end uh, where we'll be telling you how they've made the crossover into the world of computer graphics. And that's what we talk about, of course. I'm Sean Johnston, a professional CG artist uh, and animator in the video game industry with uh, about 28 years experience. Um, I have a broad background in creating 3D animation, including pre-visualization, VFX, cinematic sequences for PC and console game trailers, and in-game cutscenes. Right now, today, I'm a full-time animation director and enjoying it. And I'm Bill Johnson, a CG industry veteran, and I specialize in doing 3D animation and and visual uh, effects. I've got 23 years of experience in the last 19 within the console gaming industry. And I've been working on uh, production of cinematic digital VFX uh, animation projects for industry leaders like uh, Activision Blizzard and Sony Computer Entertainment uh, and Bungie. And we are the hosts of uh, this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And what a great question, Roger. Um, you know, Sean, thinking about some of the things we talk about for this podcast, I just was remembering as kids, we did some, we were some pretty serious superhero comic book readers. And you know, I remember being enthralled uh, not only by the characters of the comic books, but by the art form itself that the, char- that the comic book portrayed. And it, it really opened my eyes uh, to the traditional art world. Yes, I, I had uh, probably a stack of about, I don't know, Two or three hundred. I think we may have mentioned this before, but I remember when we first got um, our first comic books, uh, we went to, uh, to what was it, Cass Street in Pacific Beach, I think, in San Diego. Um, at that time, there was a, a comic book store there. And I remember just looking at all the drawings, and it was, it was something I had never seen before, and it kind of impacted me uh, in an interesting way. Um, I, 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 I didn't think anything of it until I walked in the store and saw like heavy metal uh, magazine and, and saw, you know, silver surfer and all that stuff. But I think I really got intrigued when a neighbor, a uh, neighbor of ours um, actually had um, an older guy, I guess a teenager at that time uh, gave away all of his comics and he had like uh, boxes and boxes of comics in great condition. And I remember looking at those and going, wow, these are, these are really cool. And I agree with you because we mentioned, I think, in another podcast about the 7-Eleven Slurpee Cups when they had the DC and the Marvel. And we and I think I showed an image of that. But that whole thing about superheroes j- just makes me, uh, it, it brings me back. And I just love, like you said, the artwork of that, especially like Jack Kirby um, and uh, artists like that. Uh, just, just 
you know, he had all, all those bubbly little, little, little things, Kirby balls or whatever they call them. And then, uh, you know, his lines were really, really hard. And, and I just really enjoyed his uh, foresh uh, foreshortening and all the, his style of uh, art. Yeah, we started uh, drawing pictures and creating full-size posters of our favorite characters and even uh, made up a few of our own, um, if I remember correctly. And, and yeah. the, point, you know, the point is that it really opened my eyes to hand-drawing techniques um, for accomplishing uh, the storytelling and, and, you know, for teaching me how, you know, the different lines and strokes are used to, to cast light and shadows on the characters to make their muscles show, for instance, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably one of my strongest inspirations and why I'm probably in the line of work I am today. Oh, I would agree. I, that's definitely the foundations of, of my interest in this. Oh, that's for darn sure. So, I mean, it goes back, obviously, before our comic books, you know, the history of, of hand uh, drawings, of course. It goes all the way back to 30,000 uh, BC, you know, when they have, you see these archaeological artifacts. Um, and we've always, as human beings, been trying to prove and been attempting to depict things in motion as long as we've been able to draw. So um, really, uh, it's been around for a long time. Uh, I love it. Um, even though now I'm in the computer full time, it's, I don't do any hand drawing too much anymore. Do you do any hand drawing anymore? You know, I do actually. And, and uh, I, I don't do as much as I used to, of course, but I, I do more sketching. I do have a sketchbook that I keep here by my desk. And you know, that's a, you know when you think about hand drawing techniques or hand drawn techniques, you, know, you might be thinking about you know, old 2D animation. Or, or two old two D drawings, you know, that that, that pre digital, I guess, I guess you'd call them. Uh, and when you think of digital techniques, you think of things that are done on the computer, based generally. And so, there might be a little confusion uh, as to, uh, you know, what's two D and what's three D, and, and, and because you can use two D animation using a, a digital pen and tablet today as well. You know, you could you could do hand drawings with a computer, well, <laughs> so yeah. it can be kind of tricky to talk about. So we're we're going to try to clear it up for you. Uh, you know, basically we're we're talking about two D techniques brought into the three D world. Um, so are you pretty much today? Are you using just your your mouse? Are you using a, a Wacom tablet or any type of stylus or anything like that? Are you, what are you using? You just no, I, I I sketch with a good old pencil, Sean. I I'm one of the old school guys. I mean. At work? When I got, well, I don't do a lot of sketching at work because a lot of the stuff is, we have a concept team that does all the okay. sketching for us. But, uh, you know, when I first got into the business, uh, there was drawing everywhere. I mean, I first started at Sony Computer Entertainment. I mean, everyone was an artist at heart. I was, the CG skill was like secondary. Uh, and there was a deep feeling of, 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 of drawing, uh, traditional drawing anyway, being the backbone of every artist's, at least CG artist's skill set. Um, and the, the idea that the final product goes, you know, goes back to the very beginning, and there, there's something about you know a hand drawn, uh, you know, something something that I really admired about about hand drawings. It was just so expressive, and you know, it, it just expresses such great emotion, and and so simple with such simple drawings. That was that was the thing that's amazing about about uh, some traditional drawings. You I know, think, you, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think I, I think what appeals to me is the surrealness of it. Um, because you don't see that in real life. It's not something, um, you know, that you, you would see, you know, walking down the street. It's just this weird, uh, fan fantasy world, um, that's just doesn't look like anything else. And then, then when you see it animated on top of that, where you see the detail of, let's say, a, um, what's a good example, maybe like a, maybe, a um, um, uh, heavy metal magazine you know you see the detail of the backgrounds and the foregrounds and everything else and that actually reminds me of uh, 
Popeye, you know, when they used to do the digital backgrounds or not digital backgrounds, but the actual real backgrounds and then drawing on top of that and doing the right. whole perspective and everything else. Those, those I think appealed to me more because they were so deep um, and, and like it was a world within a world and you can look through it and, and just see that. And I wanted to be in that world. Right. I mean, well, that's kind of the feeling I always got. Yeah. Well, you know, so a lot of people don't feel CGI has kind of gotten away from that. And, you know, we're definitely in the gold major CGI right now. I mean, there's been such so many great innovations and technical advances. Um, and there's been an explosion of CGI content as well. That's that's really beautiful and it has, you know, it's bright and colorful and seems to have good physics. And, and, it, and it is appealing at some level, but um, it's a golden era I, right now, I think. I, I, yeah, I agree. And, and and the characters have started to become expressive as well and, and really become alive. The CG characters, the 3D characters, I should say. Right. Um, but as good as it is, to your point, there's there's still a part of me that that, that believes that, uh, you know, that stylized photorealism, you know, can't be the only way that 3D uh, and 2D, you know, to, to make 3D look 2D. I, I, the, the only way that, you know, computer animation can look. I think there's... There's got to be other ways, and I'm seeing some techniques coming coming online that actually is pretty promising. That that is bringing back that look and feel of of a 2D hand drawn uh, work. Yeah, I agree. There's, I mean, what is it? Uh, about 20 years since the Academy Motion Picture of Arts and Sciences actually introduced an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. I think that was the last one was uh, Miyazaki's uh, Spirited Away, and I I really enjoyed that on got that for the kids when they're younger on videotape and they watched that and videotape, believe it, believe it or not. No, nah, maybe it was CD. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm uh, misremembering, but yeah, I, I agree. It's, it, you know, it gets back to the, what I really miss now is the hand drawn things like the Miyazaki's stuff. Um, you know, and then of course, you, you know, if you pin me right now, I've got Akira really enjoyed that. The cowboy bebop series, ghost in the shell, of course. Um, I mean, just, the Japanese, I think, have have they're still doing, and I, I'm not sure about uh, Studio Ghibli at all whether or not they're going to continue. Um, I, I haven't heard any news. I probably should stay up on that. I haven't. Uh, I hope, hopefully, they're going to continue doing uh, 2D. It's just so so much more um, expressive and beautiful. Um, and I think that's what you're saying is that these techniques now are now, you know, kind of bleeding into oh we, we've we're making these very successful CGI fully you know, animated Toy Story, you know, all these great CG, CGI movies with characters, but then now we're going, well, okay, it's starting to kind of be boring in a way, and so we, we want to push the limits, and so now, like you are saying, they're going to be adding, they're adding techniques, like, you know, into the Spider-Verse, I'll show you later, um, movies where they're, they're bringing that 2D into the 3D, and the 3D uh, into the 2D, you know, and I'll show you that in Klaus, or Claus, I should say, Klaus, uh, yeah, it's really, really uh, awesome how they're all, I think it, the boundary now and the freedom that people can use the computers to pretty much do anything they want, any style they want, you know, make it look like a comic book, make it look um, 3D comic, you know, there's just, it's endless, really. Yeah, so they're trying to get back to hand-drawn techniques, and here, just so we can... You can agree me too. You know, okay, just to clarify a little bit, thank you, Sean. <laughs> uh, hand-drawing techniques are, this is a still life by Giorgio Morandi, it's an etching that he did, it's called Still Life with Pears and Grapes. Very beautiful, I mean, this is not, this is not, these are, none of these, he didn't draw this with a line drawing. Uh, this is, these are actually tiny little etchings, little line etchings, thousands and thousands and thousands of little scrapes on, on the medium. 
to produce this image. And there's there's all sorts of different, you know, value. This is a value strip, which basically kind of shows the different levels of of that, you know, uh, you know, cross hatching that you can do. And and that's kind of the, the the technique that he that that he was using, and that the most traditional uh, uh, artists use to to create what's called value. And this is a value scale, which is basically the difference between light and dark. Uh, and, and this is a a cross hatching pattern. Uh, this is a, a hatching pattern. Mm -hmm. There's even something called stippling, which, which a lot of people are probably familiar with as well. Uh, this is something called ticking, uh, which is stippling just a, a little longer. Uh, and that's kind of what the, the pair image etching was made of. And there's actually something called weaving, which is nice, and then and contouring. So there's a whole uh, bunch of different um, you know, hatching uh, well, artists to techniques to, to yeah make, techniques yeah. exactly, and that, that, that's basically what we're ta trying to talk and how that's conveyed into computer graphics. And you know, honestly, it's it's funny when computer graphics uh, came around, or at least started, it was so popular that there weren't even. I mean, there was a there was a time between uh, I think it was, uh, gosh, twenty two thousand nine and and twenty fifteen, I think it was, where there weren't any hand drawn feature films, and that, that's that's over six years, Sean. That Hollywood did not produce a a feature animated film because they were just too expensive, and uh, you know computers just seem to draw all the frames for you, at least the in between frames. And we we can talk a little bit about some of the problems with that here coming up. But uh, basically, uh, you know, it 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 was you know uh, mm -hmm. you know a, a dry time for animate for hand drawn stuff. Right. I think I remember I, I remember back Prince of Egypt to how how um, DreamWorks came out with that one. I remember how beautiful that was where they mixed, you know, uh, computer generated images with, uh, you know, traditional hand drawn animation, which I thought was really cool. And then, of course, Iron Giant. Um, you know, how can you forget that one? That was even though it flopped. I, it, I think a lot of times people have uh, it's a kind of a cult cult film. Um, now, um, beautiful. I loved it. I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, Brad Bird or Brad Bird, Bird, Brad Bird, excuse me, um, that directed that one. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that one, but I guess yeah, the, yes. the giant was a, a cell shaded uh, 3D character. But I agree with you. Yeah, I, the, real quick, I just wanted to show you before you go to yours, and if you can pin me, this is kind of goes to what you're saying about the fact that it, you know you look at this drawing here. Um, it's actually a, a letter, an ampersand. And, th and this is done in Illustrator. And so if you look into this thing, it, it, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, uh, there, are, there are no jagged edges. This is a, basically a mathematical e equation that, that uh, you create these letters to. But now even in, in Illustrator, you have the ability to, to actually distort these uh, to a point where you just add a roughness to them to kind of make them look like they're either scanned in and drawn and put in the computer and then you have, you know, because people are so tired of seeing everything so clean and looking, looks, looks, you know, they want something different. It's always just, it's the way we are as human beings. And so this is the end where he's refined it, this particular artist on, on YouTube. Um, but, but that goes to what you're saying, you know, that, that exact thing about um, everything is really, um, I think they're, they're done with the 2D and then we're going to go ahead and embrace CGI and everything's just everything CGI. And then now it's, I think it's coming back to um, you know, a mix and, and all sorts of uh, amalgams, right? Yes. And I'm glad you brought up that example because uh, you know, in, in you the Iron Giant, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't even realize that a lot of the movie, you know, part of the movie that you thought was 2D really wasn't, it was 3D. They actually used 3D elements um, to make the Iron Giant the main character, That's right. and uh, you know the tank as well as you know in the movie, you can see maybe the tanks and the cars 
as well as the truck and Dean's motorcycle all, are all 3D models. But, um, you know, they're ultimately presented as just standard 2D line artwork. Um, and it, it's, it's really very cool. And to, you know, to your point, what really makes the Iron Giant really interesting is that it's true to the 2D style and that the line art that has those imperfections that you're showing and, ha and how they could be, you know, it's kind of noise, I guess, if you will, that's introduced, you know, the imperfections in the line art. And that's really what you get when you do 2D work and seeing something that's really, you know, perfect and, and obviously clean, you know, there's no wobble or anything. I mean, the Iron Giant in those, in those lines, there's tiny wobble to eat and, eat, and wobble in between each frame as well. So it's a really impressive use of, of 3D to, 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 into the 2D realm. Yeah. Also, and back to what I was saying, I just want to give credit where credit's due. Matt uh, Borchert is the guy's name. Um, he's an illustrator. Uh, he's on YouTube. And, and you do, you, you're, the techniques for those 2D hand-drawn look is you're trying to make that uber clean surface uh, with perfect edges and lines the computer creates and then create a, a noise, a non-destructive noise on top of that. In fact, in Illustrator, you can, you can un undo that or it's uh, uh, just based simply just turn off the eyeball on that particular effects of, uh, on the appearance panel. Um, so... Yeah, I agree. The the this is another example of of another illustrator. Um, this is actually a Dansky, and and this is the power of Illustrator. Um, you can do several different lines. For example, in this example, if you can pin me, um, he's got these things with different brushes, and it's it's still doing the mathematical calculation, but you're getting that different uh, brush stroke, um, which is pretty impressive um that you can you can do all those things to get that technique to, to have that hand-drawn technique feel for all your stuff and the, he's just doing simple lines here obviously you could do a whole entire character you can also do it in adobe after effects similar effects controls um, um one i think is called turbulent displace and does something very very similar to that so very very cool that is very cool you know, and you know, in 2010, Disney found a way to mix the two styles, you know, together with this short, uh, the Waterwing short actually called uh, Paper Man, and they found a way to mix 2D and 3D together, and they actually designed the characters with a in two in, in digitally uh, on a screen, and they uh, they were able to do this with uh, a lot less you know expense, and it was a lot less time than doing traditional animation, uh, and there had been such a dryness in it that they wanted to kind of bring back that specialty, and so they they created their own special system called Meander to uh, to create their short film, and this is kind of part of that uh, uh, processing that you were talking about, where they actually use use different techniques to distort an image. Yes. to kind of make it stand out, to texturize it. And in this case, this shows you kind of what their, there's hair, you know, they want to animate the hair. And so they, they draw the hair curves into groups and they select the groups and they kind of trace it out over the 3D object. Uh, and then they, they move ahead uh, and uh, basically set up those same uh, curves again. And the computer actually fills in the in-between. And you right. can see how it's calculating that now. And we'll just, you know, fill in all the in-between frames. And They're and using AI. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, that's. They also did it in in the short film Feast, um, the same one, and I think they're also using it for, um, you know, when they're doing their their dailies, uh, when they have their artists um, draw on top of, uh, you know, to push poses and things like that for their two D drawings, uh, or their three D characters, um, for example, uh, they'll they'll draw right on top of it with that same Meander program. Uh, really, really neat. Um, another one that's in in that uh, I don't know if you remember I, I mentioned early. Earlier I said Klaus, but uh, maybe it is Klaus. Klaus. I'll just say Klaus. That's what it is because it's, obviously it's it's um, uh, 
Santa Claus. But this particular one by SPA Studios is very, very similar. I didn't realize when I, when I saw this, it was very, very, they made 2D animation look 3D. So you know how you had your 3D making it look 2D. This is just the opposite. And so what they did is they basically used AI in this computer as well, um, proprietary software to, to paint light on their characters after they went ahead and did the ink and paint. Now they painted shadows and light. And I, some of these had so, so many, um, I forgot how many hundreds, maybe even thousands of layers of light that they, they, would, they would just paint on these 2D characters and make them look 3D. It was so, so impressive. I, I, I need to watch that movie. That, that's such a great movie, uh, looking-wise, uh, visually. Yes, and all ideas start out as hand-drawn sketches anyway. So, and it's really no different in the movies, especially with 3D animated movies. So every 3D animated movie starts out as a, as a, as a set of style boards, uh, or storyboards, if you will. And a storyboard is basically a graphical representation of how your video will, will look shot by shot. And it's made up of a number of squares with uh, illustrations and pictures that represent each shot and, and notes if, about what's going on in the scene. And uh, you know, maybe part of what's said in the script is, is thrown in there as well. And they, they basically represent the shots that will ultimately uh, make up the movie. And uh, this is a shot from uh, Spider-Verse. Uh, Sean, I think you got a couple of things where, but this is basically just a side-by-side -side comparison showing that some of the previs that was done alongside the final uh, shots. And it's, it's just kind of very illustrative of, of how 2D is still used in so many different ways in uh, producing 3D computer graphics and or 2.5D or even, you know, pseudo. I, it's hard to tell what's 2.5D and 3D in these days. I mean, because of the integration, the levels of integration that are happening. And it's, it's kind of an exciting time. I agree. Uh, and like I said, the, the, the actual um, clause production, uh, that particular, they used Toon Boom animation for, you know, the underlying 2D stuff. And it actually uh, was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, so uh, I think at the 92nd Academy Awards, but, uh, I mean, it, right now you can go to, you can go to get Toon Boom. You can download it, try it for free. Um, it's got a, a powerful storyboard program called Storyboard Pro. And then they've, you obviously they've got Harmony, which is their main, um, animation package for 2D, but I don't think it's going anywhere. I really don't. Um, I think it's actually coming back like, in, like you were showing, I mean, even in, in the Spider-Verse image you're showing, this particular pin, if you can pin me here, they actually um, were using what they called, I guess, pop. They were using pop frames. So they're using 2D um, frames hand-drawn in between a lot of the scenes in this, in this movie. Um, in fact, they're using, which I didn't realize also, is the very, very background scenes of some of the, of the buildings of downtown New York. They actually were using just blobs of color instead of actually building out the entire thing in 3D, they were actually using blobs of color, which I thought was really, really cool. In this shot here, you actually see the main character's face. They're actually painting on top of it to give it more expression. They're actually not deforming as much as they normally would with the 3D face. And it just get, allows these um, artists to be, have the freedom to be more creative and, and have that hand-drawn feel. In fact, this particular, um, I guess, Miles, he, he actually, they, they did these pre- Define drawing um, uh, templates for his face. And then they went ahead and, and used this uh, program that did AI prediction for each of the other frames. And then the artist would go back in and touch up things. But they had an, an entire template of what you could and couldn't use for, um, you know, where the, depending on which direction the face of the main character was facing. Really, really. Yeah. Cool. There, as I say, there's also uh, Synfig 
which is uh, a free program to use. So you can, if you don't want to pay for Toon Boom, you can always uh, use Synfig. It's a pretty, pretty cool program. And you can even use a traditional 3D uh, modeling and animation program. You just need to use, uh, you know, a technique or, there, or a combination of, of many techniques. But some of the most typical are using a Toon Shader. And here's a great example of, of you know, 3D objects, simple primitives that have a tune shader applied in a, in a 3D program. And you can see how they kind of, you know, you've got a really crispy highlights and stuff. And there's really a, a breakdown. There's a, there's a, here's a, an example of a Unity cell shader. Um, they're called cell shaders or tune shaders, um, but it shows you how many different cuts there is. There's this diffuse as it normally is shaded, but then you get a cell shading, which you do with one cut. And then it shows the cell shading with three cuts. And you, you can create some pretty amazing things by just, you know, the, the number of cuts. And of course, of course the number of cuts is, is, is you know, getting higher in resolution. Here, but, but you don't want to go too far because then you, you start, you know, it starts smoothing out and you don't get the, the, the nice definition of that, that tune look. And here's an example of, of a 3D model of uh, Hellboy, which uh, was uh, modeled as a 3D mesh. And then they just put an albedo. Uh, texture on it, and then uh, added a cell shader. And you can see the impressive difference right, between, I mean, just the difference between the 3D mesh and the cell shader, and how, how they're creating some of these characters today. Wow, very Frank Miller-esque. Yeah, yes, that's, yes, yeah there's, the, there's also OpenTunes, uh, Pencil 2D, Moho Pro. So there's, then they all have de demos of these software. You guys can check those out and, and download them and, and do yourself uh, um, a favor by uh, doing that. And you can get right into doing 2D um, yourself. Yes, and there's nothing artistic. Just keep in mind, there's nothing artistic about the software itself. It, it does pretty much what we tell it to, or tries to anyway. Uh, and everything's pretty mechanical that way. It's the artist, though, that, that really breathes the expression or breathes the performance uh, into the characters. Uh, kind of like a musician, really. You know, they, they can make quality music with the most basic acoustic instruments, you know. I mean, they don't need a a, you know, computer setup and mixer and 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 dubstepper and all that, all that stuff, looper and stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of the same principle, right? Um, right. And this last so. little thing, real quick, about painting. There's traditional new techniques with AI right now, will which will simulate real paint media, uh, watercolors and oils and things like that, and they're getting really, really good. I mean, a few years ago, there was a couple of pro programs I was using um, that were very, uh, they were good, but they they didn't give you that same feel. But there's, I mean, now they can just run down your paper. Um, you know, this guy's using a Cintiq, um, but it's becoming more and more realistic and uh, as uh, like natural media. I mean, it's, it's really crazy, cool time to be alive. Yeah, so the final question really is, is, is 2D animation better than 3D animation? Is using 2D traditional hand-drawing techniques animation based on that better than 3D animation? I, I from personally, Go ahead, Sean. I'm not going to say anything because I, I, <laughs> you know what? I like it all. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to. I'm not choosing sides on that. I, li I like them both for different way, different reasons. Yeah, choosing between the two is really a matter of personal preference, and and uh, you know, I, whatever you find, I think, to be most enjoyable. But the hard rule, I, I guess, there is no hard rule. Call me a fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, thanks again for being part of our podcast today. We want you to know that we do them exclusively for you, and we really had a great time answering Roger's question. How are hand drawing techniques used in CGI? And we hope you learned something that you didn't know along the way. And we think everyone should learn at least one thing new every day, right? Uh, we enjoyed our conversation and we hope that you did too. And if you did, please share it around with some of your friends. Uh, you know, hit that like button too, because it really helps uh, YouTube to help find other people like you who are interested in CGI and VFX related stuff like this podcast that we talk about here. 
uh, on, on our podcast. So, uh, oh, by the way, if you've got a subject that you'd like us to discuss in one of our podcasts, you can let us know by going to our website at thecgbros.com and heading up to the About Us tab and then over to the Ask Us Anything drop down, just like Roger did. We're always looking to improve. And when I say pin me and, and that back and forth situation here on the podcast, uh, that's what we're, we're using Zoom and we're actually using uh, Adobe Animator, Character Animator. Um, we're both in remote spots, just in case nobody knew that. Um, that's what pinning means. So, But uh, again, we're looking to improve and uh, please leave us a comment below. And if you do, we uh, won't guarantee it, but we may read your comment in one of our future podcasts. And just in case you didn't know, we uh, bring you a fresh edition of the CG Insider right here every week. And we discuss all things having to do with computer graphics, uh, CGI animation, digital VFX, as well as any other interesting related topics we feel like talking about. Also, be sure to check out the CG Bros YouTube channel for your prime time seat for some of the best state-of-the-art CGI short film entertainment created by some of the most talented new media producers and VFX studios out there today. Um, or you can check out some really cool revealing VFX breakdowns behind the scenes and uh, making those. Sean and I are both looking forward to uh, seeing you for next week's podcast, where we will be answering another great fan question. How is CGI used to create motion graphics? I think I'll need my Dramamine for that one, Sean. Oh boy. That sounds like a fun one. Yeah, I love, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be great. See you next week. Well, that's it for today. We sure hope you've enjoyed the answer to the question, how are hand drawing techniques used in CGI? Thanks for being with us. If you watched this on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please hit the super thanks button where you can buy us a cup of coffee. Please give us a thumbs up too. Be sure to leave a comment because we might share it on a future podcast and give you a personal shout out by name. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're listening to us on our audio-only version, please leave a comment. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends that they too can enjoy the audio-only version on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Samsung Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Here's a free bonus. If you'd like even more insider information delivered right to your inbox, subscribe to our free CG Insider monthly newsletter. Go to our website, cgbros.com, and sign up. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how is CGI used to create motion graphics? This has been episode 2235 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.